Blog Talk Radio. Tennis, Mr. Chuck Greasy. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to get in the game. And hello, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are, and we just want to welcome you to another week of American Tennis. And we are trying to get back on a normal schedule here, folks, and we're going to try to Keep it rolling every Wednesday right around lunchtime and uh, just go to the Yellow Ball Network. Go to my website, chuckcreasy.net. You can get every program and dag gone. I, I was uh, looking through the <clears throat> stuff I have to do to get on the computer, and I think the thing said I'd, I've done 190-some programs or something like that, and <clears throat> I think it's that's just in the last three years because we've been on seven years, so figured out that's a bunch that's a bunch of bunch of times so anyhow uh we are back and we've got a great program today and just like every week our purpose is to speak out say what needs to be said we always say stay professional we can say pretty much anything you want this is america and we have first amendment rights you can say what you want to stay professional address issues not people, but let's try to solve some stuff today. And we have a guest today that uh, what I love about <clears throat> Doug Pilot is I don't think he's done anything in his life where he wasn't passionate about doing it. Uh, I mean, I we go we go back a long, long time when I first saw him playing junior tennis, and is uh, is one of those guys that just he was getting every. He kept a <clears throat> pedal to the metal all the, the entire tournament, every match I ever saw him play, and uh, he'd throw his heart over the net with every ball he hit. And uh, he's got a tremendous background in it, 50 years now, 50 years. And I'm going to bring him on here in a second, but I just did want to say this, is that um, I judge the job I've done based on those people that stay in the game and stay and love the game. If I can, when I'm coaching, uh, help people love the sport of tennis enough to stay in the game and keep 
giving it in one way or another, I, I think that's the deal. Then that's the law of, of um, that's the law of reciprocities, and that you will get back everything you give. Um, but also, what happens is you, it, it, regardless of your prosperity, your posterity will be great. And um, uh, one of the things I, I just did, did want to say is Doug's been in it for 50 years. And uh, what the reason I brought him on is because he's got a tremendous perspective, and we'll get him to talk about it, that uh, what he grew up in the Chicago area, and he had one of the greatest coaches of all time, uh, Mr. Jack Sharp. I think he was recently honored as one of the lifetime coaches, you know, of, of the last decade or so. And uh, But he was able, Jack was able to motivate a whole group of youngsters to be excellent players and then they were competitive within their ranks in the in junior ranks up around Chicago area and then all of them got the boy that was just a hub of tennis there and then of course Doug I wish you'd been able to go to Clemson and play for me what we'll, we can talk about that but there would have been a, a lot of fire on the court to uh, have him and me in the in the same deal but he went to University of Texas and uh, had had a great career there, and then he played professional tennis for a long time. And one of the things I want to ask him about is that with his professional tennis, is that there was a just a it's easier route. We had so many kids going out, youngsters going out and playing professional tennis. So, uh, but I'm going to get him on here. And uh, Mr. Doug Pilot, hey Doug, how you doing this morning? It's afternoon out there, so you've already been on the court six or seven hours, huh? Uh, been working, but coach, uh, it's an honor, uh, for you to just even think of me. Uh, I have, you, you have no idea, uh, the tremendous respect that the tennis community has for you. It is unbelievable what you've done for tennis. Uh, I wanted to play back. I wanted to play back in the day for you. And it was, I think it was between, uh, Brian page, uh, went there of course. And then, uh, law, it was, I think there was a scholarship between me and a guy named Lawson Duncan. And Lawson uh-huh. got the scholarship, and uh, it was probably a very good decision on your part because uh, Lawson was, um, uh, you know, it turned out to be a much, much better player in college. Well, than me. So. <laughs> you, likewise, but listen, I want to say something about your senior class. I do not remember a better senior class ever than – all those guys you had in your senior class, you and Brian, I think there was, yeah. <clears throat> there was Jay Berger, Paul Koshelski, Kenny Thorne, Brian Shelton. I yeah. mean, you can go, I think Robbie Weiss was in there. I think uh, you can yeah. go on and on yeah. and on. There were probably 20 top, top guys in there. Is that correct? Yeah. yeah and you mentioned a stat to me, which is mind blowing that when I was in college in 19, I graduated in 87, but in the, uh, in 1986, there were 41 American college players that broke the top 100 in the world in their career. Correct. So Correct. that is absolutely, I mean, that is just unheard of that the path of playing pro tennis, nobody, there, was, there was only about two people like Jimmy Arias, uh, Connor, uh, Connors and McEnroe went to college for a year and then turned pro. But there were very few players that skipped college because the Correct. path was so good, was so good. Correct. You know, and, and 
Now we want to, yeah. Now I don't go know ahead, but we want to talk about this. I, I want I want you to go back though, if you can, Doug, and yeah. we want to get through your your career here. But it started okay. with your great coach Jack Sharp, and yeah. go back yes. and just tell folks a little bit because we have a lot of parents and youngsters in coaching and and teaching pros and coaches that listen. But go back and talk about. You getting started, and that Jack Sharp, what he did to create, or just create a situation where so many good players came out of his program. Go ahead. So you know, Jack Sharp was in Aurora, Illinois, uh, in 1970. Uh, He moved. He had a a chance to go, I think, different places, and he decided because his parents lived there. He decided to work at the Aurora Tennis Club. Uh, they just built three indoor courts, and that uh, 1970 was when I met Jack. Our parents in the 70s, uh, tennis was booming. Everybody uh, played. There was really not a lot else to do. Uh, didn't have the internet. Didn't have a lot of other activities. So adults played. The parents played, and then all of us kids played. So it was really a tennis boom. I think it was 35 million people in the country were playing tennis, and. We used to joke, if you didn't play tennis, at least you owned an Adidas sweatsuit, you know? Um, And so so I met Jack at the Aurora Tennis Club. I mean, we're talking Aurora, Illinois, 40 miles west of Chicago. I mean, nothing. Uh, Three indoor courts. And what made Jack so good, okay, and I asked Nick Boletari this uh, once when I was about five years ago at uh, Eddie Hur. I said to Nick, and I'm sitting here with, with Jack at the tournament. I said, Nick, what makes Jack a great coach? Because Nick was thanking him for sending him all these players. You know, that, you know, his senior year, we, a lot of us went to Boletari's for a year. And he just looked at me and said, he cares. He cares more than anybody. And it's true. Jack cared about the kids. He cared about learning more. To this day, when I talk to Jack, he says, yeah, I'm still learning still learning. I missed the boat on a lot of things. I'm like, are you kidding, Jack? If you miss the boat on things, <laughs> coaching, I'm, I'm, I'm not even in the, the ballpark, you know? Uh, so he's all, was always constantly learning, always giving back. I mean, he basically never made money. He did, he did most of everything for free because it was about developing players. I mean, it, and that's simple. what I said, you know, his posterity, regardless of his prosperity. I've yeah. often said on this yeah. program that after 60, if you're not giving it away to all the kids you can, all the people you can, you look sort of like a burnout rock star looking for a gig. You know, but Jack Jack yeah. has always just been that guy that was, you know, you'd always yeah. see him sitting by himself or somewhere, you know, just very obscure, never needing the limelight, just – just no. in the background, no. and then you know, and then you would go talk to him, and he would drop wisdom. You'd, you'd just drop it like yeah. pieces of diamonds. You know, you'd well, you'd want to catch him. Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the stuff yeah. that he no, gave. He, he was he uh, he's an absolute uh, he's a legend. I mean, uh, there's just not a lot of guys like that, and um, he you could, he he never sold out. He never he had many of opportunity to go to. Uh, you know, people offer, parents offer him a lot of money to take their kid in California and do this, and, and he just never did. It wasn't that he not just what kept, I wanted kept to do. Within the, I think he is he still working? I think he was he was still working. Any up up there? Or yeah, somebody yeah, said he was yeah. trying to move south, but he's still up he, there in Aurora. Wow. Yeah. So 
Well, no, actually he's in Florida right now. He's in Florida right now, uh, teaches a little bit. He works, uh, believe it or not, he works a a fair amount with my daughter. So he gives her wisdom constantly. So um, I want to make half of this program the last 30 minutes, uh, too, about bringing up your daughter. But let's go through your yeah. junior career. So Jack got you fired up. You guys started, yeah. but there was an easy – you knew the pathway, right? You sort of had to get good in your club area, in your arena, and then you would yeah. start playing tournaments around Chicago, right? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. Yes. Uh, Jack – and, I'm, and again, uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear your perspective. Jack is a – we would play, and this is interesting, at the Aurora Tennis Club with Brian Page, Danny Lael, David Jenkins. I can go through a whole, Michael Kiris. I can go through a whole list of guys. And, and on the women's side, we, there were a bunch of women, that, girls that played, Kathy Hofer, Michelle Torres. I mean, I'll give you a, a list. And we played sets. We played sets, 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 sets. We'd warm up for 20 minutes, and we would play. And we, never, we didn't complain. We didn't know any different. We played sets with two people on a court. All of a sudden, you see tennis changing. Nobody's playing sets anymore. People ask all the time, we're going to train and work on our game before we play a tournament. Jack was like, tournament's the best practice. Go play a tournament. Go play. Play tournaments. Tournaments, tournaments, tournaments. So we played tournaments. We played sets in practice. It was just a ton. Now I see, and I don't know, maybe – I don't know if you like that philosophy. Now I see a lot of these academies are tossing balls, tossing balls, tossing balls, four people, six people on a court. I don't see enough sets. Now I yeah, might be well, I, I completely maybe. agree. I'm glad you brought that up because everybody thinks there's some magic dust to it and everything, but he bred the competition. As you mentioned those names, to yeah. Michael Curis and to Danny Leals, and these are all folks, they all won gold balls and things. I mean, out of that yeah. club – all everybody got really good, but as one, what happens when you create a climate of competition there between the kids? What happens is they're trying, they start leapfrogging each other, and and uh, yeah. Doug Pollitt said, "Hey, wait a minute, he won that, I can do that." And then another kid said, right. "You know, I can do that." And then when they went, start winning sets and things at practice, then start things start yeah. to happen. So. There's yeah. a lot of ways of explaining that, but to your parents out there, you've got to play. They've got the kids have got to be playing three days yeah. a week of competition, and then you know the lessons. What would you say, Doug? Once a week, maybe. Oh you know, yeah. If you're yeah, taking yeah, lessons. Yeah. I mean, it, I'll be honest with you. You know, we would do a lesson once a week, twice a week, or whatever. But basically, we played sets every day. I mean, when we had right, a program, right. we played sets. There was no drilling. And then, and right. then we would play from 10 at night because we couldn't get court time in Chicago and yep. or Aurora, Illinois. So Monday through Friday, after the program, we would, parents would drop us off. We'd play from 10 to midnight during the school year, two hours. Right. And I remember asking Danny, I go, Danny, I remember, you know, going there, and my brother would be like, I can't believe i got to drop you off, at, you know, every night and whatever, and Jack would drop us off, at, you know, at midnight at home. And I go, Danny, what did we do all these times? He goes, Come on, you don't remember? We played sets. We played sets right. every day, and then we would chase each other around because we thought we were cheating each other. You know? Right, right, uh, right. But, right. but he bred the competition within that. So an analogy that I use, Doug, always is I said, look, yeah. building your tennis game is like building that race car in that garage. You know, you can build yeah. one. You yeah. can build a Ferrari or greatest race car ever, but you got to learn to take it out on the road and drive in traffic. 
And, yep. uh, you yep. know, you're never yep. going to get to Indianapolis 500 without driving those dirt tracks and doing all those competitions. Yep. So here's where I'm getting, yep. though. The pathway that you had was basically you'd learn, then you did you did regional tournaments, then statewide tournaments, yep. then western tournaments, then national tournaments, right? How long before yep. you, as a youngster, said, hey, I'm pretty good at this. I, I'm I'm beating some good people. Were you 11, 12 in there, or? Yeah. How, how old yeah, I would say you... 10, 10, 10, yeah, 10, 11. And the way it okay. worked back then, and I, and I think it was a great system back then, and now that now they don't do it. Uh, but, uh, you know, people go, you know, people start now jumping and playing national tournaments because they can go to Before different parts ready. of the country and play. Yeah. 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 Uh, and when I was growing up, you had to be endorsed through your section, and you only could play in your section and get ranked in your section, and then right. were you allowed to go? You didn't just go, hey, there's an L2 or a national tournament. So we had a lot of good tournaments in our section, in the, in the west, western section and Midwest now, and you would have to, be, you'd have to qualify through your section to play national tournaments. That's all. Right. And now you don't have to. Now, you, you know, I think the yep. sectional tournaments are dead. I think they're dead now. Well, they're, they're, they are, and we're, yeah. that's what I want to get to here in a minute. We, we try to give kids an elevator to the top floor instead of making them climb the steps, okay? And, and, right. and that, that's, that's well. But then you went on to the University of Texas, and, but here's, here's right. and we're going to tie this together. Of course, you went through your four years, and you graduated there and, and did, did great uh, for the University of Texas and the great, great, great Coach Dave Snyder, who was meat, the yeah. meat and potatoes. He was the kindest yeah. man, yeah. but uh, for me, one of the greatest friends ever who really helped me in my yeah. young coaching career. But here's the thing. Through your college career, you were always thinking, I'm getting ready to play pro tennis, right? Yes. 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 That was, I mean, and, and then uh, you I think, so you start yes. playing in the summer, and then and and those yes. things. But there was a way for you when you graduated to you just went and played satellite events. Can you talk about that right. satellite versus future? So parents parents don't even yeah. know what those satellites were about. Go ahead. Uh, so that was a great system. I mean, Jimmy Arias, uh, all every player had to go through the satellite tour, and what satellite tour is? It started out as four tournaments. So you would stand in line. Anybody could show up. I mean, there was a guy who was a gardener. He showed up with a gardener's club. Anybody could show up. No, no, you don't need any ranking. There was nothing. You just showed up, and uh, they had a qualifying, uh, and then they, uh, and they had, I think, the main draw. But basically, you would show up for the four tournaments every week, okay? And then at the end of the four tournaments, the top 32 players would go to the Masters. It started out with four weeks, and then they had a Masters. Then they went to three weeks. All in the same area of the country. It would be a Midwest, or it would all be in Florida. So people got – but you got to know each other. You built relationships. You built practice partners. You had camaraderie with other American tennis brothers, correct? Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. And here's the thing that was great about it. You, you got three, four tournaments in a row, and that's what you need when you're starting out. You don't need to play a Futures and then you're done, then you just, what, I go home now because there's a Futures in Hawaii and I'm stuck or whatever. 
So they had these three tournaments. You qualify for the Masters. Then your ATP ranking was based on how you finished the circuit. So I think Johnny Levine won one, and he got the winner of the satellite, got 35 ATP points. Second place got 26, third place, and, you know, uh, six, uh, 17 to 32 got one ATP point or whatever it was. Great system. Um, Brad Gilbert went through it. Everybody went through the satellite system. Right. And then you worked your way up, and then from there you played, I believe, challengers, the, you know, the, the, the bigger tournaments. Um, but that's all gone now. That just disappeared. Right, right. And well, you know, and again, we're, we we're trying to, uh, I'm going to get around to the sleeping giants that we have out there that things, some things we're not doing well. But the point is, is you had a, you could come in as a gardener, qualify, you, if yeah. you won enough matches, you were six or seven matches away from, moving up and you got to play the next tournament you got to play these series of four tournaments but the whole developmental process for that month the camaraderie the practices the learning from watching other matches and brought all these american players together that was critical as far as the formation of a professional is like is like going to uh, summer camp for a professional football player. You went to camp and you learned right. what the the nuances were, the right. the things that you had to do from the different rules to right. signing up to your right. travel arrangements, being on the road, the homesickness, all those yeah. things you yeah. went through. And then yes. if you did get to the Masters, well, then you started getting some points. In, but here's the thing. There's no bad win right. in tennis. Whether you were four more Masters away from being able to make it bigger, right. it, it just right. made so much sense to have these satellites. And for the right. life of me, I do not know why they well, went to the silly future. There's no future in the futures. Now they do futures tournaments. And like you said, you could have one in Hawaii. And you lose first round, you say, oh, okay, what do I do next now? So go ahead, Doug, you yeah. had something. Well, so here's the, here's the thing that, um, that a pet peeve of mine right off the bat is if you talk to Jimmy Arias, Brad Gilbert, some of the great, greatest players, uh, maybe even Jay Berger, okay? Uh, we didn't get wild cards back then. When we made the Junior Davis Cup team, we didn't get picked. We had to qualify. We had to, 24 right. of us had to go beat each other up That's and right. qualify. And you, you were a coach uh, at one of those uh, the year I made it. Um, uh, it was, uh, there were some other coaches. I think 82 out in California. I was there at the camp. I did it in 80 and 81. I think 82 was your year when you made, made that team. Yeah. So, so the point is, uh, everybody had to work. They had to earn it. Now with these futures, it's really, they're just, they they give out wild cards. So now they're, they're giving out wild cards. So that's helping to a point, like if you get wild cards, it makes it a little, maybe a little easier to get points, but it's not the same. And, 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 and I don't think that getting a bunch of wild cards is the answer. Uh, if I'm uh, correct or mistaken, I'll have to double check, but I think like uh, Donald Young got a bunch of wild cards. The guy was a phenomenal junior. And anyways, yeah. he lost like 17 weeks in a row. Got all these wild yeah. cards or whatever. Then he had to earn his way because he wasn't winning. 
He had to start learning or whatever. And now I've got more respect for Donald Young than anybody because he had to like, you know, after getting all these wild cards, had to kind of pull himself up and go, oh, no more wild cards. i got to start over. <laughs> right, right. And what uh, a lot I, of people, analogy. Lot of people, go ahead, Doug. A, a lot of people would quit, you know, you know, but you got to give the guy credit. You know, he, he, he didn't quit. If I could jump in, what comes to mind is, you know, I, my 35-year-old son, he's 35 now, and he's just now doing his residency as a doctor. And uh, the progression of Congratulations. taking, yeah. well, thank you, <laughs> taking all of the classes in school that he had to go back and take, then finding a med school where he had to go to medical school. Then he had to go do rotations for, I think, uh, 18 months or something to do different things. Then you have to do, uh, you know, your residency. Well, he finally, maybe right. after this long, long journey, is going to be a doctor finally. So the point I am making is everything that you are saying with the satellites, uh, the travel, right. the learning all these things, the camaraderie, being out there, you basically shined your skills or, or you toned your skills, sharpened all of your skills to the place where right. you then were ready for the tour. Or you learned there were some bugaboos there, and people learned, look, 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 there's no shortcut here. There's no elevator. Right. I've got to work up. So my point is, right now in the United States of America, it has been 19 years since 2002 that we have had a Grand Slam champion. 2002. Right. Now I'm not. That's right. not a slam on the coaches. It's not a slam on the kids, Doug. It's right. a slam on the fact that our kids, they try to skip steps. Now, parents, if right. you've got a youngster there, Doug is going to talk about his daughter in a yeah. minute, and exactly the steps you have to take. But you cannot skip steps. You cannot right. skip one one uh, stairwell and take an elevator. My son, could you imagine a doctor? Yeah. If he said, no, 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 wait a minute, this guy's really, really smart. He should not have to do his rotations here, wait. you know, for this next wait. six months. Come on, son, come on, come on. Your son didn't get a wild card into medical school? No, no wild cards. No. No wild cards. Oh, not okay. based on potential. Yeah. Not based on potential. <laughs> so, we right. we make so many mistakes like this, it completely blows my mind how the United States of America so let's let's say nineteen years, Doug. Nineteen years right. times four grand slams is seventy six tries, right? Well they skipped I think one of yeah. seventy four, seventy five tries. What? We yeah. have not had a United yeah. States men's champion in, during that time. We've not had one since Andy Roddick. Yeah. Now when we had, and your statistics were right before, we had 41 USA born, USA born players who went to college, went to college, and then right. made top 100 in the world. Today we have four, four, and and right. and it's that's pathetic, and it's not. I'm not right. blaming the coaches. I'm not blaming the kids. I'm blaming our system that yeah, gives the kids I, I agree. this hokey pokey show. So. Um, Doug, um, the junior tennis right now is the sort of a segue into the junior tennis. The junior right. tennis right now, Doug, I could. It's easier to book seven different flights on seven different airlines to Timbuktu, uh, someplace in uh, Siberia, 
Then it right. is to figure out what my daughter, I have a 13-year-old daughter that's going to be starting to play tournaments, then figure out for her what tournaments to play. Now, on top of that, if I call the local office, well, now everything's run by central location, and they have national one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Right. I don't know. Do they have the blue group, the green group, the red group, right. uh, the orange bandana group? I mean, so nobody knows what the heck to do. I've been in tennis. Uh, I've been coaching for 48 years now, and yeah. I don't know what to tell parents. So, well, you want to you know, tell parents? I said, don't worry. You want know, to tell parents, don't worry about what they're doing this year. They change it every year or two. So, you know, once <laughs> you learn it, you're going to have to change it again. I mean, seriously, well, they, every year it changes all the time. <laughs> well, now the reason that I, I love having you on is that parents, parents listen. You have the power, you, and the players, the parents and the players have the power. If you get together and you complain enough, you can get something done. There are hardly any meetings going on right now. you got these Zoom boomers, you know, the Zoom crud. I, I just hate it. Right. you got the Zoom, and that, and, but we're not going anywhere to meet, to discuss things over din- dinner, to have seminars, right. to talk about these, no town halls. Nothing where parents can get – the only time the parents are getting together are at the tournaments. I would encourage the parents to go to dinner and start talking about some of the things that we're talking about here because we really have a broken system, and we have some sleeping giants we're going to talk about. But, Doug – let me go to a quick commercial. We got 30 minutes, and we'll be back in one minute. And we're going to talk about your journey with your two daughters. And uh, okay, so we'll be back in about a, a minute here with with Doug. And this is Coach Chuck Creasy and American Tennis. This is Coach Chuck Creasy, and dang, I'll tell you what, folks, the thing I'm probably most proud of in my near 50 years of coaching are the books that I've been able to write. And we still have a great book out called Coaching Tennis. Go to Amazon. The book is called Coaching Tennis. Recently, it was rated as the number three instructional tennis book of all time. And if you will go to Amazon, you can order it. And even as it was written 20 years ago, everything in it will apply to what you are doing now and what your youngster needs to learn. And it goes into the physical, the mental, and the emotional aspects of the game. If you want a starter tool for your youngster or something that will help get them into the tournaments and through some of this tough competition that is in these tournaments get coaching tennis and my website is www.chuckcreasy.net name of the book is coaching tennis And it's Coach Chuck Creasy, and we have Doug Pilot on. I'm so 
the one thing about Doug is he has at every he's done it as a player coming all through the ranks from beginner to one of the top players in the nation all the way onto the pro tour and then he's got two daughters also and every one of us as parents are beginners at at being parents our parenting skills i don't care if i know how to coach tennis or doug does we're beginners at being parents and the kids have to end up owning it they can't just rent their game they can't just rent their motivation they have to own their motivation and they have to learn how to be passionate about what they're doing and uh probably doug pilot's greatest greatest asset is he's passionate about everything that he does i mean you'll never have a boring time having a meal with him or just hanging out or just talking about tennis and so uh right now we're going to ask doug uh we're back and we're going to ask you about being a parent and the journey and how hard it is and some of the things so Take it away and tell us about your daughter now is one so, of the top players in the United States is at number 18, or she's an 18-year-old. So go ahead, Doug. Yeah, so uh, my daughter is 18. Uh, she was one in the country in all the divisions except 18. She was two in the country. Um, and then COVID hit, and she never got to play any nationals after that. So she's kind of done uh, with junior tennis. Um, which is fine. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's a great, it, it develops great discipline. It's really good for the kids. It's unbelievable. Now saying all that, when I had my daughters and my other daughter played a little bit, but she went down the dance route that my, you know, my wife was a dancer. So, which is great. But saying all that, when I had my daughters, I remember looking at my wife saying, They'll, I'll never put them in tennis. I'll never do it. And she looked at me like, why? I said, because it is the hardest thing I have ever done. And, and I don't know how I survived it. It is gut-wrenching, the losses you take. If you play tennis, you will. I don't care if you're fetter or who you are. You are going to lose gut-wrenching matches and they're going to take a grown man and put him in tears. That's how hard it is. And I don't know if I want to do that. Make a long story short, obviously I ate my words, because at the end of the day, it is the hardest thing you'll ever do. But it's the best thing you can do for your kids. Because if you just coddle them and you don't let them grow, then, then they don't turn out like Coach Creasy's son, who's a doctor, or a lot of other people that are successful in life. So, like a great coach said, I not only train pro tennis players, but I train a lot of people to be doctors, lawyers, and businessmen. So, if you want your children to be tough, successful, learn sportsmanship, learn the game uh, the whole life, uh, tennis is it. Because, as you know, life is going to throw you some really tough curves. (laughs) So, that's it in a nutshell. Um, I'm always happy. I get calls from people uh, all the time, and I'm happy to talk to people about about their kids' tennis. Uh, Happy to do it because, uh, I mean, I get parents all the time. They are always, you know what the biggest problem, Coach, is? If I hear another excuse, excuse doesn't win matches. Excuse doesn't get you to medical school. There's no excuses. 
I hear all the time, well, we lost that match because, because of the, this boy cheated and that girl cheated. and uh, this, this, this. No. No, there's no excuses. Okay? At the end of the day, you make excuses, you don't develop. So the that's being the, the hardest thing I get. Being the hardest yeah. sport, uh, no one understands that. I start – yeah. I used to do camps uh, for 37 years. I did tennis camps. And I would always tell parents, no doubt about it, this is the hardest sport there is. Your child is learning yeah. to play the violin, not the tambourine. And I said, yeah. they, it, but in the end, they will learn just about every life skill possible as they yeah. take this on because they will go through joy, oh, yeah. they'll go through pain, and they'll, they'll have to learn how to do it. So in that in that journey uh so you got them involved uh your your daughter who's who's done quite well now you got her involved because obviously you were a teaching pro so you yeah. basically would bring her out and hit with her a little bit and stuff and yeah. how long before yeah. you could tell hey listen she's got it she really loves this stuff uh pretty quick i mean i could tell she was into it she really liked it when she was 6 7 years old she was into it Loved it. She was a good athlete. Uh, but I knew, you know, that she was in for a, a marathon, and it was going to be tough, you know? Right. Um, but she wanted to keep doing it. Um, right. I've got what, these what, questions asked. Go ahead. Go ahead if you have some. Yeah. So what you have to do is, look, if I had a dollar for every time my daughter or a player, and I love to ask someone like, Lawson Duncan or somebody that made top 40 in the world or whatever. I'd love to ask them, in your lifetime when you were playing and you had these heartbreaks and you weren't playing well for a period of time, did you ever go, I'm going to quit, I can't stand this? I can tell you that that's crossed my mind many a time. Now, yeah, I get back on the horse, but I'm wondering if the doll or fetter after a heartbreaking match which everybody has. And they had them all through their career, not just with pros, but with juniors. I wonder if that thought crossed their mind. Because if it does, I would say, well, that's normal. Absolutely it's normal. And then I say, I, I try to remind my daughter or whoever, what are your goals? Because if your goal is to play pro tennis, if your goal is to play college tennis, then that's just a little stumble, a little bump in the road. I mean, are you going to go and have a bad lab in medical school and go, ah, I'm going to quit. This, this is crazy. I have a crappy teacher. You might think that, but then you get back on the horse, right? Does that make mm-hmm. sense? Absolutely. And one of the so, things, I'd like to throw this into parents. Um, I've defined over the years of coaching a lot of things with the players about how to handle the ups and the downs. One of the things is never let wins go to your head, never let losing go to your heart. Let winning go to your heart for confidence. Let losing go to your head for learning and all those type of things. But here's what I tell them. I said, you're not allowed to just get mad on the court. You are allowed to hurt. There is a difference. If it Uh hurts deeply and you feel like I want to quit and you're wondering what's going to happen, that is a healthy thing because you make the decision, you know what, This, this is worth it. I've got to go back. And do it again, right. and get up and try again, right. try up. When you just get mad right. on the surface, that's like a little pouty baby, just whining. Yeah. 
and and you don't right. tolerate that, parents. You don't tolerate that. It, with no. these tournaments that you have to go to now, we we've got a lot of it's a lot of confusion. Everything's been shifted to the nationals, and this is very bad. Whenever you do top down management, by the time it gets to the local level, it's already had to break through seven different layers and there's not much left when it goes bottom up and you create energy within the local areas whether it's a jack sharps program or whether you know and then it moves up then it it creates something great and uh we're approaching it from the wrong side from top down whether it's no child left behind in education program or whether it's uh, different programs be administered by the government. They're never going to be as strong. The government messed things up. Government control of right. USTA government control of tennis, are, they're going to just botch it up too. They'll have a slick program, but you don't build motivation that way. I'd like to ask you a question right. about about a couple things, okay? And then we're going to we just yeah. we got about 20 minutes here, so I want to get your thoughts on this. First of all. We're obviously we have a lot of top junior tennis players, but none of them transfer their their knowledge and their skills to the pros. Could you give me two or three reasons why you think we're not excelling in the professional ranks like we do in the junior ranks? Uh, that's a that's a great question. Well, first of all, there is a big jump from from uh, juniors to pros. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's. Uh, it, it's a different skill set. You know, juniors, you can do extremely well by just making a lot of balls. Pros, you have to make a lot of balls too, but you, I think you need weapons now. So you got to make sure that the players, the juniors are developing. That's number one, okay? So development's always the, the first thing. You know, I always tell people I'd rather have a kid who's 30 in the country developing than a kid who's one in the country who just, Hasn't developed. He's playing the same. You know what I mean? Correct. Not, not, yes. not improving. So, so you need to keep developing. The other thing I'm going to say uh, is that uh, I, I'm not so sure. When we were growing up, there were no USTA, let's invite these people to camp. So what happens is you go to the, the, the camp, okay, and – Instead of just playing sets like we did when we went to the, the Davis Cup trial camp where we just played matches, they do a lot of coaching, and they, which is great, which is fine. And, they, and you know, the, some of the private coaches are there and the parents are there. And you're, the people are invited to these camps by – I don't know how they get invited, but I don't like the, the pick and choose. Now, my daughter was invited, okay, but that to me is, is – I, I've been around, so I know I know tennis a little bit. Parents get this idea that well, my kid's going to be great because the USTA are inviting them picked and they them. see something. Them. So they, they were picked them. instead and, of earning their way to. They were picked yes. instead of earning their ways, yes. which is yes. is a bad good. Yes. They call that a bad good. That's like a participation trophy. It's a bad good. Yeah. You know, yes. and no, and. Uh, no, <clears throat> So the USTA is orchestrating. They basically plow the way for the kids to earn their way instead of saying, look, you've got to earn earn your right to be here. You know, and so, yes. And so that brings me into 
that promotes randomness, but also the scoring hybrids. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah. Well, one of the yeah. reasons we're yeah. not turning we, – we can talk about college tennis as a segue yeah. also to the <clears throat> professionals here in a minute, but these these abbreviated scoring systems and things, can, could you – what are your yeah. beliefs there? Okay. All right. So, look, when, when I grew up playing tennis, we played two out of three sets, regular scoring singles and doubles. And don't get me wrong. There were times where we were up at 1, 2 in the morning playing indoors. I, I was playing the national indoors at Midtown Tennis Club at 2 in the morning. I mean, I, I know. That's crazy. It's nuts. But you know what? That's what we had to do. Uh, we didn't even, there wasn't even a consideration of shortening the score. Um, so because? You, you get it. Uh, because that's what we did. That was, there was, there were, you know, it was. Uh, that's what tournament directors did. That the USTA didn't get involved with uh, as far well, as. Well, I'm trying to get to the point out. why abbreviated scoring yeah. hurts the development of players. Oh, too. Would okay. you say so, with abbreviated yeah. scoring, yeah. let's so say they, they instead of doing that, they said, okay, to make the national team, you've got to play four okay. no ad games, <laughs> or, or yeah. okay. we've got to play so one set of no ad or something. To... I'll tell you exactly why abbreviated scoring hurts. Pro tennis, if they want to do abbreviated scoring because the randomness, and that's fine. Those are they're pros. But when you're developing a junior, you've got to develop the mind, the fight, the endurance. You you gotta you want to make it to a top level. Nadal can play a four game pro set right now. The guy's unbelievable mentally, physically, and so on. Okay, but he didn't do that growing up. <laughs> okay. So if you're developing a junior, I say you, you, you go back and you develop that grind, those long matches, and that's what develops. And I'll say this, okay? Uh, tournaments are the best practice. Are you going to hit more balls in playing two out of three singles and doubles regular scoring, or are you going to hit more balls playing six games, no ad, one set? There's no practice. So at the end of the day, if you want more court time, you know, if I'm going to spend $1,000 to go to Arizona to play a tournament, I want court time for my kid. Now the director's going, well, I want to be, I got to get out of here by five o'clock. So, so the problem is, is that uh, do you want to develop players or do you just want to appease, you know, everybody getting done by five or six o'clock? Right. You know, it's, right. Uh, right. You know, it's kind of like I've, ta- I've talked to Jack Sharp extensively about this. You want to make you want to make a lot of money and charge five hundred bucks an hour for a lesson, or do you want to develop players? Because you start trying to do both, it doesn't work. What you get is a bunch of you know super rich kids but. that you know, yeah. So so at the end of the day, I personally think for player development for kids and for college. I think they, that you need to have that long scoring, that grind. Uh, you know, I, I think that makes you tough. And if you want to do well in pro tennis, you got to be tough. Now, you want to do, you want to shorten pro tennis scoring because the guys like the randomness for vote for for uh, <coughs> for gambling, <coughs> and they like the randomness to have new faces in the final, or. Maybe they want to shorten the scoring in pro tennis so Isner can play three more years. That's fine. They're pros. 
That's different. I'm talking about development. And that's why Clemson developed players by doing three out of five set challenge matches or practice matches, whatever you want to call them. That's what you guys were famous for. And everybody in the country knew Clemson did that. Everybody knew that. Yes, and we were the uh, the understanding that the lack of understanding that most coaches and players think that the USTA has for what it takes to develop a top player is is universal. I mean, they're saying, what are we doing here? Everyone, there's not anyone that will argue that no ad scoring promotes randomness. Playing a tiebreaker for the third set promotes randomness. Um, Short sets promote randomness. So what happens is you train really hard, and you are the person that's going to be able to endure the seven matches, two out of three sets, many of them tough three-setters and the heat. You're the one that has paid the price to do that, and you don't get rewarded for it. So what that does is the next time player says, well, I don't need to be in such good shape. Why am I training so hard? And pretty soon right. you don't have a Grand Slam champion in 19 years. And right. The, right. the point is, is what was aggravating to me is it looks like the U.S. is sort of leading the way in trying to lower the bar so that we don't yeah. have anybody to tough it out like this. So let's lower the bar and make it more yeah. random and maybe we can, right. you know, get a few ringers in there. Right. And it's, it's just disgusting. So, um, Doug. Yeah. With Kalamazoo, Kalamazoo is a tournament yes. of great heritage. It's in question yes. now whether or not, after some 70 years, if the USTA is going to return and play the Nationals at Kalamazoo. Tim Wilkerson, right. who was one of the – it was Dr. Dirt, one of the toughest guys out there, but about five years ago he made a statement that youngsters do not – junior players are not motivated by, by – um, point systems and the the hokey pokey thing that everyone is doing now with computers they're motivated as a junior player you're motivated by rivalries and tournaments of heritage the rivalries are that if he's tim said if i lost to somebody i would literally wait for a year to play the same tournament hoping i could play the same player and get even. <laughs> he said, and then he said, tournaments of heritage. He said, do you think a player would rather be ranked number one in the world or win Wimbledon? I mean, it's it's a no brainer. Yeah. Would would a would a yeah. player yeah. would you rather have been ranked number one in the United States or win Kalamazoo? Win Kalamazoo for sure. Of course, of course. That title yeah. is is yeah. and and, and uh, yes. the point is is we are promoting, and we are trying to motivate kids the wrong way with with. Any yeah. ideas there? Right. On Kalamazoo, they might be moving it down to that place in Florida, you know, and, and yeah. why do yeah, they yeah, do yeah. that? They, they've taken a whole yeah. community uh, with over 1,000 volunteers out of the market. It'll, it'll yeah, crush I, I, a lot of I, 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 I think that special tournaments like the K-Swiss <laughs> that was in Aurora, Aurora Tennis Club was a great tournament, the Columbus <laughs> Indoors, all these great right. tournaments that they destroyed by giving them points. The point system doesn't work, just so we're no. clear. It doesn't work for junior. works for pro tennis, but that's another story because there's money and everybody goes where the money is. Junior tennis, it's points, and you kill local tournaments. 
because the local tournaments don't get the tournament right. points. Nobody plays them, and you have no local tournaments. So you have you kill local tennis. Point system doesn't Correct. work. Period. UTR, that system doesn't work either. Point talk system about UTR. People, tennis. people out there are going to be mesmerized by UTR. That's the hottest thing around. What's your thoughts there on yeah. UTR while we're at it? It's just another point system. Point system doesn't work. It's just a, a, a smart guy from Harvard and uh, smart, smart people put together an algorithm. Who cares? doesn't develop players. In fact, people are withdrawing from backdraw matches because they don't want to hurt their UTR. So they're hurting their development, but they're getting a better Right, UTR. absolutely. Really? Seriously? I asked a pro tennis player, Charles Beckman, my teammate, who was 48 in the world in doubles, Charles, did you make more money with a higher UTR on the tour? They didn't have it back then, and he just laughed at me. He said, no, that's irrelevant. <laughs> right, you know, right. So it, the point, it, is, it's a... <clears throat> the point is what they need to do, and I wish I had a computer guy that would call me. I'd love to sit down and figure this out. We need to go back to a head-to-head system. So at the Very Naperville good. Open, at the Naperville Open, when Robbie Weiss showed up, I showed up, Aaron Crickstein showed up, and Danny Lael showed up. This was the Naperville Open. Everybody and their mother played that tournament to try to beat one of us, and it was a great tournament. Now, all four of those players are going to drive past Naperville, get on a plane, and go to an L2 because they got to go where the points are. So there's no local tournaments. There's no accurate rankings. The rankings aren't even close to being accurate. Pull up the 18 and under girls' rankings. I think Corey Gaff is still ranked in the the nation like 50 in the country, but she's 48 in the world WTA. Point is, get rid of the ranking system now. It's so off. It's so wrong. Uh, If they want to use UTR because it maybe helps promote tennis, that's fine. It's not an accurate ranking system. It, I'm sorry. No. Points don't work in juniors. It's got to be head to head. Got to be head to head. You want a national ranking? Well, you had to play three of the four big nationals. When I was growing up, so, you had to play three of the four. So Three. here's what I think they could do I think maybe rank the top 100 players on head to head or 50 players, mm-hmm. top 50 head-to-head. After that, you might want to have a rating system because it is quite random. But those top 100 players, the head-to-head rankings matter. The head-to-head wins should yes. matter. Yes. That's what yes. should be the I, thing. I now, the the thing that – but, okay, let's say uh, 100 down to 500. Well, you can have a rating system for that. And then up okay. until – the top 500, maybe kids could use the grip system, you know, like the karate belts and be able to right. work on their skill set and top up to the top 500 or something like that. Uh, that would be an ideal thing, but we need the, the, we, the rating system only works in the second tier, perhaps. Well, one yeah. thing I'm finding problems with in our matches with anybody is that the kids look and they say, oh, wow, I'm playing a guy that's a UTR 9.4. I should beat him. And then they'd show up and the kid smokes your guy because, you know, in other words, they, they, the kids, there's so much information out there. The kids don't understand that, that you're working on a skill set and not just a rating real quick. We got four minutes here. Go ahead. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm just not, 
I'm not convinced. I know they want to tell me UTR is accurate. I think it's not. It's not necessarily accurate. I've heard it's inflated for foreign players, and so on. I want to see right. a head-to-head. You, you, then right. you know. Kids, you kids, I mean? kids have figured out how to cheat to get the UTR higher too. They pay yeah. off a player to take down. You know, it's stuff like that. Yeah. Head-to-head is the only way to do it. All right, sleeping giants yeah. of American tennis. As I bring my three or four in there. I'd like for you to think and think, where are we missing the boat? If we could make one difference at all in the United States of America that would make a big difference, all right? And I mean, college is a sleeping giant right now because it's 80% international player. We're not t- make The kids are right. not making right. jump from juniors to the professional ranks because there is no arena to train their skills. Well, well, that's obvious one. High school tennis could be so, so, so much better if we had – the yeah. right formats, yeah. and uh, we had made it into tournament play and right. dumped the, cl- the class system, the one, two, three, four, five. It's so diluted that uh, it's an after-school activity. Small Town Tennis USA, Doug, was one of my ideas. Uh, we're not promoting yeah. tennis into smaller towns. Over 74% of our athletes that go into the professional ranks in all sports come from towns less than 50,000 people. The USTA has been dead set on working on inner city tennis instead of small towns. 22 to 35 year old age group, Doug, um, there's nothing for kids or people if they're not out playing professional tournament 20, but then old people, I want you to talk. Then, wait a minute. I've got old people deregulation, Deregulation. I think that USTA needs to stop. It's it's not it's not systems. It's incentives that make people motivated. But I wanted to say about old people, they're all going to pickleball. Yeah. I want you to have a say on that, and right. then think if you've got any sleeping giants too. Go ahead, Doug. About old old people. Where are yeah, we losing I think, it? Uh, pickle, uh, yeah, I think that uh, the USTA when they came up with the quick start, I told them 10 years ago that that was a good senior game and they thought I was making fun of them. And right. the truth but they used the green ball. They should base. have done a gold, the golden age ball or a golden diamond ball. Yeah. Maybe they could have used the yeah, same just ball, bring, just market it as this is the, yeah. this is the special senior citizens yeah. ball. Said they yeah. tried to get yeah. kids, yeah. parent, they tried to get old people yeah. to play these green yeah. dot balls and they're saying, forget it, man. I don't, I'm old. I know yeah. I'm old. I don't want to play with that crud. Sorry. Yeah. So, go, go ahead. so pickleball is taken off, and uh, USTA might want to think about piggybacking with pickleball now or something to try to try to get people to play both sports. I don't know, but pickleball. Yeah, is, I think is they're trying. To, right they're here. trying to do that. Uh, tennis, pickleball is easy to pick up. I think it's going to be easy to put down yeah. too. But tennis yeah, again, yeah. it's hard. The symmetry is all screwed up, Doug, for old people. You know, the ball striking overcomes the movement. It would be like people trying to – they want to dance. They can only dance the waltz, but they're playing uh, daggone disco music. (laughs) With the high-tech rackets, that's what happens. How about – All right, so – Go ahead. All right, so my my sleeping giant, my sleeping giant is – Okay. You have to to bring back – if you want – uh, tennis to boom in the United States, you have to bring back local tournaments because local tournaments mean local players have a place to play and place to compete, and that's where it's at. Take away local tournaments, tennis dies, which we've seen. In all small Decatur, Illinois, a uh, lot of small towns, tennis is dead. So 
You've got to bring back the tournaments. How do you bring back tournaments? You've got to get rid of the point system. Right. You can't, you can't have a point system, period. So, you got, so that's number one, you gotta, which I don't know if that's ever going to happen, but you've got to get rid of the point systems so that way I can have a good tournament in a small town and people go, oh, I'm going to go there. And I hear Chuck Creasy's playing it, and he's one of the top players in the country. I'm going to go play that tournament. There's a lot of good players playing it, and if I can get a win, my ranking will go up. Yeah. Now if I beat yeah. Chuck Creasy first round in the tournament, I get two points. Mm-hmm. Really? That's a waste of a trip. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So right. But that's, that, that's exactly guy. right. You're exactly right. It, it It is so basic, and they have done yeah. this for convenience, not because they should, but because they can. And it's just yeah. it's ludicrous. We're not going to make champions out of point systems. So no. point, the point I'll, system for junior tennis does not work. I'll be I'll be honest. When I was in the meeting when they did it, and I thought it was going to be a good idea, and Coach yeah. Jack Sharp told me it was the dumbest thing that could have ever happened. And I looked at Jack and I'm like, I, Jack, I think it's not a bad idea. And he explained to me it, and it kind of made sense. Yep. Now fast forward to ten, twelve years, Jack was. Right, one hundred and ten percent, and I was wrong back then. Yeah, you know. Well, Doug, but, Doug, uh, we're out of time. Yeah. But listen, I wanted okay. to say say to you, you've been in it fifty years, fifty years now, and yeah. thank God bless you for all you've done. But you're one of the one of the uh, proteges and and students of Jack Sharp, and it's just mm-hmm. one person with passion is worth thousands with without. Uh, What's the, yeah. what's the book well, I heard? There's a book out. It says that one lion can lead a thousand sheep, but one, you know, a thousand sheep can never lead one or something like that. But we need people who are passionate <laughs> like you out there. And, and uh, I'm just very grateful for, for you being on the program today. And there's a lot of parents yeah. out there and youngsters and listen to this program uh, a bunch, but i give you the last word there. you got about 20 seconds yeah. there, there, Doug. Coach, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to come back anytime uh, to talk. Uh, keep fighting for American tennis. Uh, like we will. Team, and, uh, and, and, th- uh, yeah. and thank Love you, man. And, and thanks. Hey, folks, remember you're always in the process of winning or losing, no matter whether it's a win or a loss. It has nothing to do with a win or a loss. Do the next right thing. Thanks for listening to American Tennis. See you next week. Come.